0: Ephesians chapter four, please. <clears throat> and we'll begin begin to read just just for time's sake. Let's go to verse 8 again. I tell you what, let's go, let's I tell you what, let's go to verse 7. But to every one of us is given grace. Praise his name. According to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now you notice that. According to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. But he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, Notice this, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sleight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that this morning for the sense of your presence in this house, that we would say, even as we have sang, when we look at our bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, you're beautiful. Beautiful beyond description, and you're too marvelous for words. Father, you're too wonderful for comprehension. You're like nothing ever seen or heard. This morning, Lord, we give you glory and praise and honor. And even as we bring your word, Father, we pray that you would take your word and that it would be, Lord, it would be a word that would go forth and that your spirit would carry it and wing it home to every man and woman in heart and into every situation in life. Build up your people and strengthen them and encourage them, we pray. Lord, not that we can order you or tell you what to do, but Lord, because we're praying in your will that that's what you would have us to do, even through your grace and spirit. So this morning, Lord, glorify the name which is above every other name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we tell you, Lord, from the outset of this meeting and this message, Lord Jesus, we love you. We worship you and adore you. We bless you and we exalt you. We praise you. We lift you up and tell you that there's no one like you. You're altogether lovely. You're the chiefest among any 10,000 to our souls. Yes, Lord, you are. You are the lily of the valleys. Thank you, Lord. You're the rose of Sharon to us also. Glorify your name, we pray. For Jesus' sake, we ask it. Amen. You know, whenever we read as Christians the Bible, what is the outcome of a believer? I mean, a true born-again Christian, those who are trusting in Christ and His finished work on the cross. What's the outcome for you And you're going through a certain circumstance or a situation? What is the outcome for all of us? And the outcome is this, that you and I can read the back of the book and know that we are on the winning team. We're on the winning side. We're on the victory side. We're we're already in victory, marching to victory, and to the very fullness of Christ. Now we looked at how last week where the Lord ascended uh, uh, up and high, and He led captivity captive, and He gave gifts unto men. We'll go there in a second just to touch on it. But when He ascended into heaven, forgetting the leading captivity captive, put that in a bracket and circle that round your mind. That's a different study. And it's a big subject for another time. Giving gifts unto men, we'll look at it again in a moment. But why would he give gifts unto men when he ascends? Of course, they're all given by his grace through the Holy Spirit. But why would he give gifts unto you and unto me? And the gifts there, remember, they're not speaking of the charisma gifts, the Pentecostal, we would call charismatic gifts. He's speaking there of a word, doma, D-O-M-A. And it gives a grounding, it gives the idea, actually gives the idea of a building right up to a rooftop. Building up to a rooftop. Uh, and in the Middle East, they came up outside stairs and onto the rooftop, and a lot of the times they virtually lived on the rooftops. That's why the Lord Jesus said, uh, speaking of uh, the armies and camping around about Jerusalem, especially when Titus, the Roman prince, came in AD 70, he says, and when you see the armies encamping around about Jerusalem, he says, you're on the rooftop, don't go and get your stuff. I'm paraphrasing, don't go in and get your cloak or your coat. Don't get anything to eat, just get out of Jerusalem, because you'll, you'll be captured by them. Because on the rooftop, you see, they lived a lot of their life there, and they fellowshiped there, but on the rooftop, they could see further. You know, we, we can see further into the distance. On the rooftop, they felt secure, they felt safe. And on the rooftop, this is the idea of doma. There's a building beneath you. Now you're standing on a platform. You're standing on a secure roof. And it meant there was only one way up, one way down. And there were the steps were not inside like you and I have our steps. But they were up the outside of the house. So when Jesus talks about coming down from the rooftops and running away out of Jerusalem when Titus was coming. He wasn't speaking. He, uh, he didn't say go get your stuff. He says come down from the outside. And go. So you'd see the enemy. You'll be able to see further. And by the way, there was like a... a, 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 The doma also counted as a little parapet that went out just below the surface of the roof. Like a little ledge that went around. In case someone fell, they'd fall onto it like a safety net. So in this we have the word doma is the same idea as this. And Paul says that when Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended up on high, and he led captivity captive, he gave doma gifts to men. Something of substance, something to ground the church, but something that the church could live on, stand in, be secure, and also look out for those enemy things that would come along the way. So why would Christ give us this? Simply for this reason. Because the enemy, the devil, Satan tried to uh, destroy Christ. He tried to hinder him. He tried to stop him going to the cross. He even tried to stop his ascension and his resurrection. Let me give you a, just throw a few out there a study in this for another time as well. Remember when Herod sent out his soldiers to kill all the babies that were born under two years of age because Christ had come, and the Magi, the, the, the wise men as we call, had looked it up in Scripture and shown, look here is where Christ would be born, be born in Bethlehem. So he, he realizes all the babies under two, kill them, slay them, and this new king will not be risen up. The devil moved on him to do that. And then we look at other times whenever the Lord was coming into his ministry, whenever he was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and he was... He was weak as, uh, as to his flesh. He was thirsty. He hadn't drank. And he was out uh, with the elements blowing against him. So his flesh was totally craving for help and, help, uh, and strength. And the devil comes to tempt him with, with uh, stones being turned to bread and giving him kingdoms of the world or the, the cosmos which, which the devil would run. He says, I'll surrender to you if you fall down and worship me. And we know the three temptations that the devil came. And in that, he was trying to stop Christ going to the cross. He was trying to put sin into the mind of Christ. He was trying to hinder him. In other words, he's trying to destroy this great plan of salvation. Even before he got there. And then we look at how the scribes and the Pharisees sought how they might put Jesus to death and how they might kill him on numerous occasions. And one time they brought him to the edge of a cliff to throw him off. But Jesus walked through them like a hot knife through butter. And he went on. Again, the devil trying to stop Christ from ministering. Does this not sound familiar for your life? The devil tries to stop you, everything you do. He comes against you. Something happens and something stirred up and some problem comes along and he tries to hinder you in every way. At your weakest point, he comes with temptation. At your weakest point, he comes to try and drag you down. At your weakest point, he offers you something that isn't real and isn't true, that you will find that your plan and purpose in God is going to be hindered and even maybe destroyed if you let it. If Christ had to give in to the devil once, you and I would not be saved. we still in our sin and on the road to a lost eternity, to a devil's hell. Try to stop him through the Pharisees. Try to stop him again. Whenever he went to the cross, the devil thought he had him. But had they have known who they were crucifying, then the princes of this world wouldn't have crucified him because they would have realized that he was in the direct will and plan of his father. And sometimes you have to understand that too. Then he tried to stop him uh, being resurrected and ascending. How did he do that? He had the Roman uh, soldiers at the very uh, Two entrance, put a large stone upon it, seal it and have a guard on it. And says he'll never get out of it now but three days later up from the grave he arose. Why would Christ give you a foundation to pour into you the church, his body on the earth? Why would he do that? Because the devil wants to do the same with you. Did you hear me? The devil wants to do the same with you. And the problem is that without the, these doma gifts, without these men with gifts and women with talents, without them going through the church and down through the ages, we looked last week at how there are just not a few men. This is gifting in the church to raise up the church, the body, to raise the one up here and one up there and others into ministry there, that they'll go and feed others into ministry and build them up. It's not about a hierarchy of a church. It's not about lording over, but it's about instruction and help and strength that others will be raised up. So you'll have a foundation in the church. You see, when we are given this, we are given this because the Lord knew that the devil would come. And the problem is not even with the devil. The devil is a defeated foe. He's under your feet because you're in Christ. Did you hear that? When Jesus cried, it is finished on the cross, our sins were paid in food, our sicknesses were nailed to the cross also, our infirmities were with him, and when he rose again from the dead, what happened? He gave these gifts to men, that you and I would know who we are in him, that as he is, so we are, and we are victorious in him. The problem is the church doesn't know that. The church doesn't know that. The church thinks we're just poor religious uh, doormats that the devil can walk over and stand on and treat us how he will, when he will, as he wants to. I want to tell you something and let the devil hear it. The devil's a liar. And the devil can't. You're the only one who can give him access into your life. You're the only one who can give him authority when you agree with what he says about you. But now I'm taking you to the real authority. The real authority comes from our head, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says who you are, what you're going to be, and what he's raising you up for. Does that make more sense to you? Well, then let's look at this for a moment. And look at our reading here. Let your eye run down. Here's where it all accumulates in. Notice this. That's where I run down to Ephesians 4. In verse 13, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, notice, unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, Christ is being formed in you, brother. Christ is being formed in you, sister. Sister. And the fullness of Christ is we're on a road, we're on a journey, we're on, excuse the word, because I don't like it a pilgrimage, in Christ. Every day of our life, we should be growing more. We should be advancing. We should be growing up. Our mindsets should be changed to have the mind of Christ. Our hearts should be changed to have the word of God as it follows Christ. And the man and the woman who are in Christ, are professing to be in Christ, and there's no change in them, then you need to look and see, where am I going wrong? Where am I deficient? Where am I deficient? And we all have a deficiency, by the way. We're all growing up. Notice this, and we hope to finish here today with this. If not, I'll do another one next week. That's where I run down to verse 14. That henceforth, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. In other words, what Paul was telling us is here is that we are no more children who are realizing who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ, what Christ is doing in us, for us, and through us, and with us, where our destined end is, what He is fashioning us, which is to be more like Him. We sing to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, all I ask is to be like Him. And we think we have to walk about with our hands clasped and floating around the cloud. I'm like Jesus. That's not like Jesus at all. It's not like Him at all. And remember, Jesus took a whip and whipped them out of the temple when they were, when they were buying and selling in the temple. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he says, you're a brood of vipers. He told truth, but he knew his father, he knew his plan, he knew his destiny, and so we are to be and do the same. Here it is that Christ would be formed in us that as he was, so we should be seeking to be like him as his mystical body upon this earth. Fortunately, I think the church we're falling far short. It says here that we're not children. The word is nephos, nephios, and it really means it gives the idea of one who cannot talk, one who cannot talk. I'm just looking here with some of the wee children, there's wee Judah, and he shouts but he can't talk. That right? See, he didn't say yes, or he's just not answering. One of the two, Judah. And other wee babies here can't talk yet. The idea here is there's too many Christians who cannot talk. In other words, they haven't grown up, they haven't learned the language of God, they haven't heard the word, learned the word, studied the word, received the word, grew up in the word, and fought has Christ's in them that they'll step out in the word. It's the idea of it. And Paul says, you know what happens? You're tossed to and fro. Something comes your way and you can't stand. Something comes your way and you fall over. It's like a man on a ship again. He's like this. Every circus comes to town and you jump on the wagon until it leaves the other side of the trail. And then you turn around and you wonder where you are. There's no grounding in you. I'm not saying in all you. I'm saying in that person, that type of Christian. Look, if I was to go and, and, and I visit. Sorry, Judah, I'm using you today, So I was to go and use Judah. Here, or I have to go and visit Judah. And say I go and Judah's like this, then he can't talk. If I come back to Judah next year and he's not saying a few words, we'd be concerned. If I come back to Judah in five years and he's not on his feet running about, we'd be concerned. If I go to Judah and he hasn't grown up and grown strong and gotten bigger and maybe had a few bumps and bruises and cuts along the way and he's fell more on his rear end and his mum and dad have had to pick him up and clean up after him, if he hasn't done that, I'd be concerned be concerned would you not if it was your child the idea here is Paul is saying we have to grow we have to grow up grow up in mentality grow up in the spirit grow up in our faith we have to grow we have to become no little children that can't speak anymore always needing fed and pampered and there 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 boo hooed and clapped in the back but we're to grow up in the Christ and to be more like him To be a Christian means to be a real man and a woman anointed of the spirit. To be more like Jesus means to be a man who is strong who will do exploits and know his God. And a woman. How have we grown? Are we growing? Where are we growing? And we need to examine ourselves then whether we be in the faith. Notice this. We looked last week at the Doma gifts. He gave gifts. It's not the charisma of the the spirit, gifts of the Spirit as we said last week. And the word Doma has a very close akin word which also is used in many of the Greek texts. It's the word demo, D-E-M-O. And it's where we get our word, remember, demonstration from. Demonstration. But it's also where we get the word demolish from. And whenever we buy a product, we look for the, uh, the good name of the product. We look for the strength of the product. We look for the reliability of the product. And that's the idea of this. It, it, the Lord gave us something that people could look and see the demonstration of Christ. That people could see the product of Christ that people could see the strength of Christ of it. A, a Christian life sold out for God, living for Christ. Not a life that's here and there and back and forward and up and down. Not a life that's in the world one minute and then in the church the next. Not one that's getting on like some sort of you ha and halyon all over the, all the place. Not one who's quick with his mouth and sharp with his tongue. Not one who's violent. And, and all of those things, we're looking for men and women who are real men and women of God, who will demonstrate Christ to a dying word. Men and women who are unashamed and unafraid to speak his word. Men and women who are unashamed and unafraid to pray for the sick. Men and women who are unashamed and unafraid to be in his house, praising his name and lifting their hands and jumping for joy or whatever way the Spirit leads you. Notice this. That's the word to build up. The gift that Christ has left. Why do you need this gift this morning? Now listen to me. Listen to what what I'm going to say. Why do you need it? Why do you need it? I'll tell you why you need it. Because the devil is a thief that cometh to steal and to kill and to destroy. He tried it with Jesus. He ascended on high, but Jesus says, I'm going to empower my church. I will empower my church. I'll give them a foundation, a rooftop experience that they will say, I'm standing in Christ and growing up in him. That's why. When you're at home on your own, it's okay. We're in here singing. Worship this morning was great. Gary and the team, wonderful, loved it. And when we go home, and I shut my door and you shut yours, And you sit down in your sofa or wherever you do, and I sit down in mine, it's you and God. It's you and God. It's you and him. And it's where you are with him. When you shut that door, you go to bed at night and you're lying looking at the ceiling. The devil's telling you I'm going to take your life. The devil's telling you you're no good. The devil's telling you there's no hope for you in God. The devil's telling you this and telling you that. That's when you need to know this word. That's when you need to know the Savior. That's when you need to know that Christ is forming in you. And as Christ forms in you, you speak it back. And we don't agree with what the devil says. I don't believe a word he says, do you? Sometimes... He gets into my brain. and I go, "Aye, right enough. Yeah, aye, right." And I go, hold on, I just remembered, you're a liar. Jesus said so, and the Father of it. But what does the absolute truth say? The absolute truth says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me." The absolute truth would tell you says, I love you. The absolute truth tells you you're mine. The absolute tells you you're redeemed. The absolute truth tells you you're bought. The absolute tre- truth tells you that he is your shield and your exceeding great reward. The absolute truth tells you that he is your high tower and the righteous runneth into it and are safe. The absolute truth tells you those things your spirit has built and Christ has being formed in you in that storm. That makes sense to you. It's at these times when you shut your door and you go to your bed and the devil speaks And he speaks negative and hateful and terrible things to you. Things to make you frightened and worried and concerned and afraid. And the darkness is all around you and everyone's in bed. And you think there's only you in the world. We're told that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God cuts right through it. Cuts right through it. The devil comes and says, oh... How do you know you're saved? Oh, maybe not. I'll tell you how you know you're saved. Because this book tells me something. This book tells me that Christ died for my sins, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That's why I know I'm saved, trusting in the work of Christ on the cross. So when he ascended on high, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers and teachers. I told you, don't look at the actual men. The the original apostles of the Lamb, we can look at them and see their their fortitude from the Spirit and their strength and their determination. But then we look again and we see from there the church growing in other ministries being brought in and their teaching builds us up for these ministries and the spirit comes and works through them again and again until it arrives to you today it's the ministry and the gifting it's not the man so he gave gifts to men do you know what one of the Greek renderings is here he gave gifts listen among men among men. Not just to these men, among men. So, what did he give them for? He gave some, First 12 of our reading. Look at it, please. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting here, it's a word katartimos. Perfecting is the word cotardimus. It means, now listen to this, to equip for service. Why did he give this, these five ministry gifts? For the perfecting of the saints, or to equip the saints for service, for kingdom life, in other words. Notice it also means, it gives the idea that he... Give it to equip and to fix all that is deficient. Cotardimos means it's to correct all that is deficient. Now listen to this. And mark this. It also gives the idea, he gave it to set the broken bones or to mend fishing nets. That's the idea of it. It gives the idea of setting broken bones or mending fishing nets. I want to look at this word cartardimus a moment here. And it says in Matthew 4.21 or in Mark one and nineteen that James and John were in their father Zebedee's ship when Christ comes along the shore and calls them. And we're told that they were mending their nets. They were mending their nets. The word mending here is the exact same word cartardimus for perfecting of the saints. They were mending their nets. In other words, here's a hole in the net, maybe caught on a rock or something, and and they have to start mending before they start casting. They have to start fixing before they start using. You see, the church is like a net in many ways. not only catching the unsealed, but the church is like a net that when we go out of here today, it's like a net being thrown out into a sea. But there's holes in it where many of us leave a church building, or even in general the church universal, if I can call it that, we go there and the holes in it allow fish to escape because it needs mending. Because people have come in with every slide of doctrine And they've said you don't need to be saved and you don't need to mention repentance and you don't need to mention heaven and you don't need to mention hell and and you don't need to mention salvation you don't need to mention redemption. You don't need to mention mention the cross and don't speak about the blood of Jesus. Don't say that he's the exclusively only way to the Father. Don't mention all of that. There's holes all over the net because there are many who have not yet grown up in the faith and grown into Christ, and they're like children tossed to and fro. And what happens? They take in everything and they start living their life as though they're unsaved, claiming the name of Christ. Or the devil comes and he starts to work on them, and they're dragged down and they never get a victory over it. What's wrong, Lord? You're not God. This whimsical Christianity, it's sickening. Sickening. We need to mend the nets of every person's life. The net that says, there's a hole there that says, you know what, I'm broken, I'm hurting. The net that says, you know what, I- I- I'm weary. The net that says... I- I'm wayward. The net that says there's a hole in me that I can't fix. We need to be ministering into that for why? To mend the net. To mend the net. For the equipping of the saints. Let me stay stay with me because time's marching on. I want to finish this point. We'll gather around the table and break bread. In Matthew 21, verse 16. Matthew 21, verse 16. Notice this. The Lord says, yea, have ye never read, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. It's the word cartardimus. The same for perfecting the saints. You know what Jesus was saying? He walked into a temple that, uh, that had sacrificial offerings, that had animal bloodshed, that had all the robes and the garments and the great grandeur. And it all looked apart. And people thought their religion would save them. People thought their religion would save them. And Jesus looks, and their worship of Yahweh, or Jehovah God, their worship had become mongrelized and mixed with Babylonian Talmudism. And Jesus called it the traditions of men. And so they're saying, look at us. Look at all the grandeur. Look at us. Look, we are the church. Look, look at this. Aren't we great? Look at our hierarchy. Look at all our garments. Look at this. Look at the big temple we've got. Look at the money that's coming in. He walked in and out without them even praising him, the God of the universe and flesh. Without acknowledging him, without knowing him. And as he comes out, there are some little children and they realize who he is and they start praising Jesus. Little children praising Christ. And so he turns around and he says, have you never read out of the mouth of babes babes and sucklings I hast perfected praise? In other words, the worship... The outward ordinance and all that you have in your temple and your sacrifice, your oblations and your offerings and all the things that go with it, he says, there's holes all over it. It's broken. He says, but these wee ones see me as I am. These wee ones have started to praise the way they praise in simplicity. They have mended it. The Sunday school children were in the background. I don't know if you heard the music. Gary says, I'm sure they're wondering what that music is. It was actually a church a video that was shown and the kids were, were standing like this, waving their hands and going, and they were singing, I don't know the words, but it's a Christian music. And they're singing away and praising the Lord. And they thought nothing of it. There's no embarrassment about it. Sure, this is just what Jesus would have us to do. And these wee ones, Jesus says, that's what I'd have you to do. Forget about the temple. Forget about what you're wearing. Forget about the clothing. Forget about your sacrifice. That means nothing to me. He says, but these ones, these ones here, these little children, he says, they're bringing a real heart to me. They're mending prey is what it used to be. We have lost and we have backslidden. From what the real praise of Jehovah was. And oh, that the Lord would lead us into that more and more every day. My people are a stiff necked people, he said. (laughs) Jesus also said that if someone was to enter the kingdom of God and be saved, they would become as a little child. The idea is here, you have to just come and believe every word that my father says and just come. But you know what we do? We put our own. We put add-ons, we add on religion, we put add on relig- uh, uh, ritual, and we add on good works, and we add on I'm not a bad person, we add on parenthood, we add on citizenship, we add on this, that, the other, and Jesus says it's broken. It's a net with holes. I told you this before, my daddy used to try and get me in the bed when I was a wee boy, and I was mustardized I used to hide behind us a tee and wouldn't go up. He Used to always have to pull us a teaser out, and I was climbing under it, and I was one on legs, and couldn't get the hold of me that's what helps whenever you're a wee tiny skinny thing not like that anymore <laughs> but he used to say to me his mate come in one night and his mate says here's a wee song for you and this will get him to bed Jimmy the window will get you if you don't get into bed <laughs> Jimmy the window will get you to so cover up your head <laughs> So he sings this song called Jimmy the Wind, and I'm telling you, well, my dad told me that Jimmy the Wind was real, so I believed it, and I went to bed. (laughs) Jimmy the Wind wasn't getting me. Do you know why? Because my father said it, I believe it. Why would he lie to me? And I just obeyed it. The praise is, Father, you've ordained this in my heart to worship. You've ordained this in my heart to praise. You have ordained this. You have planted. You have birthed this in me. I'm growing up in the Christ, and I will praise you as a child. Unhindered, unafraid, unashamed. Perfected. It's time to mend the net of praise in your heart. Time to mend the net of worship before God. And I doubt many, I'm sure many will just leave this place today with still a hole in the heart. A hole in the net. Two verses quickly. When I was away on the Wednesday to the conference, it was first session started at half eight in the morning. You ought to have your breakfast, no good job I don't eat breakfast, does not it? So I was able to have a cup of tea in the room and just go straight down. And the Wednesday, God really started speaking to me and dealing with me. Oh boy. Started showing me things. And you know, we actually spoke from a man I didn't, the one I didn't actually want to go in here because I had one dodgy experience of him preaching. Boy, hit me like a sledgehammer. He was brilliant. In fact, he, he called that altar call at the end, says, Now we're all pastors, but if you want to come up, we'll pray for you as leaders. And I'm sitting like this. And there's a row in front of me and I went, I'm not getting up. No way. No way. This is after all day the Lord's speaking to me. No. 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 And he just turned around, and he went, The Lord I just felt the Lord said to me there and then, you expect others, get up yourself. Go. And it wasn't come on son, come on, come on now come on, that's how my mum used to get me out of bed come on son, come on, I'm getting up now yeah. it wasn't like that was, get up and go do it so I got up and I walked around there's two guys here and another one came here and another guy came beside me, so the five of us were standing in a row, different things were going to be prayed for and I'm just standing someone comes there and they bypass me and go to these three and I went, uh, hello What's going on here? So I thought, you know Lord, you've told me to come out of this worship. So close my eyes and worship. The teams playing away on the big keyboard, guitar and so on. Just playing softly. I had my hands like this and someone took my hands like that. It was the assistant superintendent John McAvoy from Dublin. And he never spoke a word to me for about two minutes. I mean two solid minutes, just standing like this. I thought, okay. The others are praying. Lord, that's not the other. Lord. So I'm like this, and he doesn't speak a word. And he starts ministering, and a tongue over me, and an anointing fell on me. He put his hand on my chest, and he read my heart. Things that were buried in me. The last scripture that was spoken before that, and I'm going to, God willing, do it next week. I wanted to do it this week, just I've went off, in time hasn't allowed me. A bruised, ready, shall he not break? And a smoking, frack shall he not quench? Started the word minister on. He came up and he went, Lord, boom. Started talking about hurts, things from past, things. From, and listen, someone who nearly really hurt me years ago, at that point, first time in eight years, sent me a message by text. And they were speaking about these things in ministry. And as he was at I just started crying and breaking down in tears. The Lord just started ministering into my heart because of obedience. You know what he was doing? He was mending the net. He was mending the net. Now, if you want God to mend the net, then you need to step up, step out, and you need to get with it. You need to be, when the worship team's here, you need to be saying, I don't care, Lord. I'm going to be like a child. If I have to raise my hands, if I have to jump for joy, if I have to do a spin like David, I will do it. If you tell me it, Lord, and you show me it, then I'll do it. I'll forget about the temples. I'll forget about all the sacrifice I have to make. It's by grace through faith. God says, I love you. And I'm here to bless you and build you up. That's what it's about. I tell you what, I haven't time to do the other ones. God wants to mend that today. The idea is breaking bones. I'll, I'll do that next week. Shows the idea of bones being broken and God setting the bone. Maybe there's things that 've been buried in you for years that God mend the net. Maybe there's been a hurts from relationships. Maybe there's been divorces. Maybe there's been hurts from some other Christian or a pastor even or hurts in a church. Maybe there's been hurts in the world. Maybe there's been hurts from parents and families. Today is the day. that God mend the net. Maybe your body's sick. that God mend the net. Let him brothers and sisters, this morning. Perfecting the saints. That's what this ministry's for. To teach and to exhort and to build you up. That's what it's for. And what happens in this ministry, he pours out his spirit and the gifts of the spirit are in operation. I left the body up.